Just after 6 p.m., uh, we have a good size agenda. Tonight, 6 p.m. Um, on the third Thursday of the month, which this month is the 20th of July. And I'm going to call the meeting to order. Um, Avery, would you like to give the preliminary meeting information? Yes, thank you, Chair. Uh, good evening and welcome to the July 20th Historic Resources Commission meeting. My name is Avery Kerner and with me is Lynn Braddock Zollner, the Historic Resources Administrator. Together we will work alongside the Chair to facilitate the meeting proceedings tonight. Before we begin, I have just a few reminders to share with everyone. Tonight's meeting is being recorded and broadcast on the City's YouTube channel and Cable Channel 25. For those who are attending the meeting virtually, please remember to mute yourself when you are not actively speaking to help minimize distractions. When the Chair calls for public comment on an item, anyone attending in person may approach the podium to speak. If you are attending the meeting virtually and would like to provide public comment on an item, please use the raise your hand feature to be called upon. We also ask that everyone state their name before they speak to ensure that everyone is able to follow along. And with that, I'll turn the meeting back over to the Chair. <coughs> Thank you, Avery. Now we'll have a roll call of the commissioners. Um, Commissioner Haynes. I think he we can't hear you. Yeah. Uh, it seems that you're having a sound issue. I see that you've unmuted, but we can't hear your voice. So I will, <laughs> okay, I'll take that as a present. He said present, I could read his lips. Um, Commissioner Johnson. Uh, Commissioner Johnson here. Commissioner Klein. I cannot hear Jeannie either. This one here. This one? Uh -huh. Oh, here we go, I think we have our sound issue. Okay, we got it. <clears throat> Thank you. Commissioner Klein said present also. Uh, can we have a sound check, Will? Commissioner Haynes present. Yay, we got it. All right, Commissioner Hawley. Commissioner Hawley present. Commissioner Johnson. I already said that. Yep. Sorry. <laughs> All over the place. Commissioner Izell. Present. And Chair Coleman present. Oh, did I say Hawley? Did I forget yes. you? Yep. Present. Mm -hmm. Oh. No, did I say everybody? Jane Meyer. We did do, we got Jean. The did microphone. You do Commissioner Meyer. Commissioner Meyer. Yeah. I don't see her. Oh, yeah. Is she there? I guess not. Commissioner Meyer is absent. Okay. Um, moving to item A on the agenda. Have we received communications from other commissioners or the state historic preservation officer or the general public? You have a few communications this evening. You have national register nominations for um, three properties in the county that I hope you had a chance to read. There's some really um, great information in those nominations. And then you have a communication from Candace Davis, who I believe is here and going to speak to you in your public comment um, section this evening. 
typically the for the national register nominations if the historic resources commission finds that the property should be listed in the national register you send a letter of support to the state um, historic board of review for their consideration when the nominations are at that board for review i believe that sounds appropriate any objections to that to sending a letter in support of these nominations other commissioners no. Well, and this is Commissioner Johnson. I have no objections. I would love it if in the future these came with photos of the sites from today. Okay. I was I was so looking forward to those and then I would get to the end of the nomination and it wasn't there. So it would just be nice. All right, moving on to ex parte. I need a motion. Oh, I need a motion, excuse me. To send the letter. I will make a motion that we send a letter of support to the State Historic Preservation Office for the nominations of the Lone Star Lake um, CCC camp, the Lone Star Lake Dam, and the Sour Crawford Farms Historic District. Commissioner Klein seconds. Okay, we have a <coughs> nomination or a motion and a second. Any discussion? No, I'll call a vote. Then Commissioner Klein. Commissioner Klein, aye. Commissioner Haynes. Commissioner Haynes, aye. Commissioner Hawley. Commissioner Hawley, aye. Commissioner Johnson. Commissioner Johnson, aye. Commissioner Izell. Commissioner Izell, aye. And Commissioner Coleman, Chair Coleman is aye. And we have one absent, so. Carries six to, six eyes and one not present. Now I will call for ex parte communications. Has any commissioner had any communications outside of the meeting? No. Hearing none, um, any declaration of ex abstentions for specific agenda items by any commissioner? No. Okay, hearing none, we'll move to committee reports. I believe we had an ARC meeting this past month. Yes, the Architectural Review Committee did meet for a project um, that was deferred, well, sent to the ARC at your last meeting. It will be coming back to you next month um, with revisions based on the Architectural Review Committee meeting, and I would defer to um, the chair or Commissioner Holly, if they want to add something about that meeting. I don't have too much to add. This is Commissioner Holly. Um, we met with the applicant. They, it was, a, I feel, a successful meeting where we discussed some tweaks um, to the design that will make it more compatible with the neighborhood. And more in line with those um, design guidelines. 
right, let's move on to the consent agenda. Um, I would move approval to approve the action summaries of all of the HRC uh, meetings from June 16, 2022 through June 15, 2023. I'll second that, Commissioner Hawley. Thank you, Commissioner Klein and Commissioner Hawley. Any discussion? on these meeting minutes. Oh, okay. So I guess we are taking the motion separately for the minutes from the administrative review applications. You can do either way. Okay. So let's do uh, the minutes first and I'll take a roll call vote. Commissioner Klein. Commissioner Klein, aye. Commissioner Haynes. Commissioner Haynes, aye. Commissioner Hawley. Commissioner Hawley, aye. Commissioner Johnson. Commissioner Johnson, aye. Commissioner Izell. Commissioner Izell, aye. And Chair Coleman, aye. So we have six ayes and one uh, absent. We have several um, item B2 administrative approvals, um, several administrative reviews. Uh, Commissioner Klein would move approval of um, the attached design review applications according to the standards and information listed in the staff report for each application. Commissioner Thank you, Commissioner Klein and Commissioner Izell. Is there any comment or discussion on any of these items? Hearing none, we'll take a roll call vote. Commissioner Klein? Commissioner Klein, aye. Commissioner Haynes? Commissioner Haynes, aye. Commissioner Hawley? Commissioner Hawley, aye. Commissioner Johnson? Commissioner Johnson, aye. Commissioner Izell. Commissioner Izell, aye. And Chair Coleman is an aye. Motion carries six zero with one absent. All right, now is the time for uh, addressing the commission. If uh, anyone from the public has any items to speak on that are not on the agenda, on the regular um, agenda? Yes. <clears throat> so my name is Candace uh, Davis. I live in the Oread neighborhood and I really appreciate the opportunity to come and speak. Some of what I say you may already know, but I would like to um, share this with you. So uh, I live at 947 Louisiana Street uh, in Oread, and what is really interesting about that house, that is where the LPA got its start. 
and they call my home the Louisiana Purchase. <laughs> so I have some history in the neighborhood. I've lived here for over 25 years, but I would like to explain that living in Oriad is an extreme challenge because the zoning does not really conform with the structures in the neighborhood. So the neighborhood, probably 90% uh, is a single uh, dwelling units. And so it's zoned really high density in parts of the neighborhood, even dormitory density, which makes it almost impossible to try and strategize how do you maintain um, the integrity of your neighborhood and the homes in it. And it is largely a very historic area, has a lot of bungalows, um, Queen Anne style homes, um, and um, so at any rate, it, it's a valuable neighborhood. And I would like to tell you that the residents, since I've been here, have worked 20 plus years to try and bring about some stability and desirability to the area and kind of make sense of this disparity of zoning versus what is actually there. And consequently, I think a lot of the single uh, families and homeowners have moved out because of what has taken place in the neighborhood um, with uh, renters, but especially with a lot of heavily student renters. Um, and I love the students, that's fine. It's just it would be really nice to have a, a healthy balance of people living in the neighborhood that are renters that live year-round, homeowners, um, and, and I think that's fine. I think that's an example of, of new ur urbanism. So I want to let you know that um, in our work, we've come up with a neighborhood plan. We have a neighborhood association. But our neighborhood plan that you see uh, took us months, if not uh, several years, to complete. Um, this was done with open meetings. It was done in conjunction with all of the stakeholders, whether it's uh, financial people that have an interest in the neighborhood, landlords, homeowners, renters. Everyone was welcome. This was done openly over a period of um, quite a while. So we also, so in the neighborhood, and it's, it's designated in our plan, you can see that there are lower areas of density and higher areas of density. So there actually is a lot of density in the neighborhood in spite of these single dwelling units. Um, the other thing we've done is, um, as you all refer to, I'm sure, we uh, extended, well, our historic district. So that was a really big deal. Uh, Lynn helped out a lot in that effort. Um, and anyway, I'm really proud of that. Uh, the other thing we did was we got an overlay district. And we may be one of the, I don't know if we're the first neighborhood, but certainly we're the top of a neighborhood that has an overlay district. And that was done in order to protect this area in some way because we do have a lot of history there. So this then includes the design guidelines, as you know. This is about 115 pages. Once again, this was a big open meeting. Developers were there. People had comments. 
And I believe we've done a really good job. I think as residents, we were pretty darn flexible. And, um, you know, everybody was able to have their own take on things. Um, so I just want to remind you, um, as, you know, someone who is out here, the HRC, to protect historic preservation, there is a wealth of history in these old homes in the neighborhood. So it's not just one house you're trying to save or one building or church or whatever. We have a lot of homes, bungalow style homes. And like I said, you know, many, many different styles, Italianate, um, Queen Anne style, and it just goes on. So I'm here um, to share with you a huge concern that I have, and I will tell you, other people in the community have also gone, what is going on at 900-906 Alabama Street? Um, to me, it's a travesty what I saw, and I would say, um, and I, before I show you the photos, well, maybe I should show you the photos first, but I, Definitely want to read um, from your area on page um, 98 of, of the um, ORIA design guidelines. So first I'll, I'll show you this photo. I'll show you a few photos so you can see what I'm talking about. And let's see, do I do, I can see it on my screen. Do I do, which one do I pick the image thing? The share screen, the green button. Uh, you have to do it with. Oh, here the mouse. it is. Screen sharing. You have to do it with the mouse. The mouse. Oh, I have to take the mouse. Oh, wait a minute. The mouse. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I wanted to touch it. Uh, hold on. You can see the first one. Is this the first one? That's the first one. So you can see that one. So, and then are you going to have an arrow? And I just hit the arrow next time. You would think. You would think. Okay, okay. So here you see, um, well. No, no, they can see it. Oh, well, now they can't. Let, let's go to the first one again. Okay. Okay. Okay, thank you. All right, so this is the first one. This is 900. And you may not realize, but those first four windows that you see, that's the end of the house. And then um, behind it, is the addition and then we can go to the next one well then you're still looking at the house that's part of the addition and not the actual house that's next to the bungalow style house let's go to the next one It may not be in order um, that I had, but this is the house next door. So I'm not done actually with the first house. This happens to be 906. So here was this little bungalow. This is the addition, which is the equivalent of probably larger than the bungalow. Um, looks kind of nice at this angle, but it is quite large. Okay, the next photo. And thanks for doing this. 
Okay, now you can see, here's the bungalow, the house 900. See the addition behind this? It encroaches on the bungalow. You can see how large it is. It, it is, in fact, maybe almost twice the size of the actual house. Okay, and the next one. And this is in the overlay district, mind you. This is supposed to be our protected area. Um, and you can go on to the next one. Okay, so here is a back view of that house. Uh, now, this is a back view of the 906 with the bungalow. So this, this is the back, and you can see it's two stories versus the one story. So that's quite large. All right, and next. I'm almost there. Ah, so this is the view from 9th Street. So you can see those four windows. That's the actual house. What you see beyond that is the addition. Pardon me, uh, Avery, there's a message in the chat. I see it. Hey, Kurt. Uh -huh. It doesn't, um, it doesn't sound like the participants joining via Zoom can see the images being discussed. Oh my. Do you want me to try and get up and share from the podium? Well, I think what's happened, I've got a bunch of these viewers open, and I think it's freaking Zoom out. Okay, do you want, oh. I'll just kill these ones that are, pictures that are done. Okay. And that might, yeah, I'll probably. And we just have that last one to show you. Yeah. Okay, so you want to go to that last one? Yeah, just go to the last one. Um, so once again, it's similar to the other one, I guess, but you can see the size and scale. So bear with me, but I would like to read. There are 16 um, suggestions for uh, kind of regulating or regulations within the overlay district, and I'm just going to read three. So number four says, additions should not overwhelm or overshadow the existing building. buildings. Uh, additions should uh, appear subordinate and be located as inconspicuously as possible. And the next one is, uh, that I'm going to read is seven. An addition should complement the scale and massing of the original historic building. And the last one I'm going to read is the final one, number 16. It says, additions should be compatible in size, scale, massing, and materials to the original structure and the adjacent historic structures. Um, to me, I, I don't know if you need to clarify in this what overwhelming means, but to me, it means large. And I think even these three things that I read, these segments here, pretty well define what you should be looking at. So my fear, having lived in this neighborhood, having done so much work, is I'm hoping that the HRC, this is our kind of stopgap and, and our overlay district. So the hope is that you would be able to help in this way. This was approved by the HRC. It was approved. I don't understand. And I guess I want to understand, but I'm afraid doing something like this is setting the tone for the, 
developers who want to go in, they're not living in the neighborhood. I know the four people who own this property, they don't live in the neighborhood. And they're going to come in and look at a little bungalow and go, look what they got. We want the same thing. And that happens a lot. And that's why I think these regulations are important to follow. And I don't think this one was hard to see. So that's all I have. And I really appreciate you letting me talk. So thank you. Thank you. Yes, please. Next. Thank you. I'm Marcy Francisco. I live at 1101 Ohio. Um, I want to thank the HRC for their recommendation to the city commission about the two lots um, that were on 10th and Main. Um, because um, I think in that case, you absolutely understood um, what might happen. And in fact, because of the shared parking, the um, lot that um, is now going to be allowed for a duplex would only be able to build that size of a duplex because of shared parking. Shared parking that's on the single family site and so that property now will always probably be rental. I do appreciate also you're trying to say what do we need to do in terms of the um, recommendations to make it meet the code. Um, but I did um, have a concern um, and we have developed uh, my husband and I have developed some multi-family housing, that um, you were really looking at the elevations. And so the elevation to the south looked like it had two doors right next to each other, but one was moved six foot um, above or closer. So the recommendation that you made that one of that door should be moved to the west means that the two doors are going to be right next to each other. and the people are going to have, if they want to have a doormat in front of their door, it might um, be overlapping the door to the other way. Um, one of the nice things about a duplex is feeling as much as you can that it's your house and that it's separate. So I hope you won't be offended if I take that back to the city commission. Um, if you are, please just contact me at maf at sunflare.com, and I might be convinced not to make that um, argument. But again, thank you for what you're doing. Um, I think it did, it's a sensible thing to say that they shouldn't be on the same elevation. On the other hand, the way they are, if you view them from the corner, you're going to see the two doors anyway. So um, I don't know if it makes as much difference as we were hoping, but um, Thinking about it is always good, and again, I appreciate your comments. Thank you. Is there any other public comment on non-agenda items? Okay, hearing none. We will move on to the public hearing items. Item number one, L-23-00021.
Good evening, Commissioners. Lynn Braddock-Zollner, Historic Resources Administrator. This is um, an application for a house to a nomination to list a house on the Lawrence Register of Historic Places. It is located at 1124 New Jersey Street, and it's the Henry Waters house. This is showing the house's location. At the top of the screen is 11th Street, and at the bottom of the screen is 12th Street. The parcel outlined in blue is the Waters House. This is the main elevation of the structure. It was constructed in 1872, and we'll just walk around and give you some great glimpses of the architecture. This is a close-up of that main facade, and you'll notice that wide overhanging eaves with the paired brackets. This is showing the corner of the structure, and you can see here where the wraparound porch used to exist, and what's really nice is that we have evidence of ghosting right here of what the columns on the porch looked like. So in the future, when the applicant goes to restore the porch, they have some good ideas of what that porch looked like. So this is the L portion of the existing structure. This is showing that up a little bit closer so that you can see that north elevation. And this is the south elevation. And again, the south elevation and then the rear or east elevation. This is the entrance to the basement. If you uh, noticed in your um, staff report the, and the National Register nomination, the basement was purpose-built for the processing and distribution of patent medicine. So that's very unique in that it was located in a residential district and a residential structure constructed specifically for that use. Typically, those types of uses were in the commercial core downtown along Massachusetts Street. This is a 1995 photograph of the structure. This was taken when all of East Lawrence were surveyed um, for the KHRI. And you can see there was a different porch here at that time. This porch, you can tell by the um, design of the porch, was not original to the house. This is a 1954 photo found by the applicant, again showing that porch that um, does not appear to be original to the house. And I forgot to mention, in this um, picture you can see the stairs leading up to that second story door. And then here again you can see those stairs. The property is being um, <coughs> Nominated under Criterion 1 and Criterion 4. Criterion 1 for its character, interest, or value as part of the development, heritage, or cultural characteristics of the community, county, state, or nation. The Waters House was constructed with the basement as purpose-built for the manufacturing and distribution of patent medicine. This was unusual because most businesses of this nature were located in the commercial core, as I mentioned. The C. Wakefield Company is a representative example of the development of the patent medicine industry in the United States from the mid-19th century to the beginning of the 20th century. 
The growth of this business in Lawrence is associated with the growth and development of the city. And criteria four is for architecture. This house is a good example of the Italianate um, style of architecture. Um, it embodies those architectural details that make it a good example of that style. As you know, with nominations to the Lawrence Register of Historic Places, create an environs or a 250-foot buffer around the property to look at projects for their effect on the listed property. This map shows um, in the center is 1124 New Jersey Street, the Waters House, and then the blue circle is the environs area. When staff was doing the um, review of the environs area, most of the structures maintain their residential character, and so it would also be one area with the primary focus of review being that residential character. In that area, while we're under this chapter 22, uh, the environs definition would be that all projects would be administrative review except for demolition, new construction, building additions above the ground level, and building additions greater than 20% of the building footprint. Projects that are new construction, demolition, above grade, um, additions and additions greater than 20% of the building footprint would go to the Historic Resources Commission. So staff is requesting that you find that 1124 New Jersey Street, the Henry Waters House, <laughs> meets criteria one and four of chapter 22, section 22-403. There was a resolution included in your packet. Staff would recommend that you adopt the resolution recommending to the governing body of the City of Lawrence, Kansas, that 1124 New Jersey Street be designated as a landmark on the Lawrence Register of Historic Places. With that resolution goes a report that is um, identified in Chapter 22, what the report should entail. Um, it has an explanation of the significance or lack of significance of the nominated landmark. And 1124 New Jersey Street is significant for its value as part of the commercial development associated with the city. It is also significant for its architecture. Explanation of the integrity or lack of integrity of the historic structure. The structure retains integrity of design and location. In the case of a nominated landmark find, found to meet the criteria of designation, um, you should list the significant exterior architectural features of the landmark that should be protected. For the Waters House, those would be the fenestration pattern, the windows and details including lintels and seals, door openings, the historic form of the structure. The primary porch form is defined by the ghost columns of the structure brick construction and wide overhanging eaves with brackets. Types of construction, alteration, demolition or removal other than those requiring a building or demolition permit that cannot be undertaken without obtaining a certificate of appropriateness would be alterations to the wide overhanging eaves with brackets, window and door lintels, window seals, the fenestration pattern of the windows and doors, 
All that should require a certificate of appropriateness. The design guidelines to be used when reviewing projects should be the Secretary of the Interior Standards and the guidelines and criteria in Chapter 22. Um, the, one of the items that the report must note is the relationship of the nominated landmark or historic district to the ongoing effort of the commission to identify and nominate all potential areas and structures that meet the criteria for designation. And that was in your staff report as well. The primary goal of the Historic Resources Commission is to build a register of properties which show the growth of Lawrence since its inception. The nomination of this property is another step toward registering a wide variety of historic properties which together present a visual history of Lawrence's past. The goal of the Lawrence Register of Historic Places is to represent all socioeconomic strata, residents, business, and industries which illustrate the diversity that has been prevalent in Lawrence since its inception. And with that, I'd be happy to stand for any questions you might have. Commissioner Klein. Yes, I had a question. Um, uh, if, if this property is already on the national and the Kansas registers, why is it coming up for the Lawrence register at this time? I'm a little confused about the backwardness or seeming backwardness of the process. Well, being listed in chapter 22 is a totally separate um, listing because it is under city code that the property is being listed. If you're listed in the National Register or the Kansas Register, you're not automatically listed in the Lawrence Register. So the applicant sought nomination to the National Register and the State Register prior to seeking nomination at the local level. Thank you. Any other questions for Lynn? Do we hear from the applicant on? Yes. Is the applicant present? And would you like to say anything? Uh, my name is Camille Wingo, and I'm the owner of 1124 New Jersey Street, the Waters House. Did you have a question? Wonderful. I don't believe we have any questions, um, but this is your chance to say a few words if you wish. You do not have to. I would only like to say that one of the reasons I actually did apply, I don't really, in many ways it's, it's, it seems superfluous, but I don't think it's superfluous because we do have some very important properties within the, the, to, the radius that, that do need to be protected. We have, in fact, some houses that the evidence seems to show that they were actually built by freed slaves. Um, and the residents in my neighborhood, these are not, of course, these are very small houses, and the, these properties are not necessarily going to be protected unless changes or demolition at these houses is closely scrutinized by a committee that is concerned about preserving history. So that's my main reason for making the application, and that was why I would like to have it approved. Thank you very much. Okay. Okay, would we like to have any discussion or hear a motion? I need to continue public comment. So oh, there's any more public me. comment. Is there any more public comment? 
Good evening, Commissioners. Dennis Brown, Lawrence Preservation Alliance. Uh, we would like to extend our thanks to the owner for uh, seeking to list this property on the Lawrence Register of Historic Places. Uh, it is already listed on the state and national registers, so she's coming back, looping back around at the end to uh, put it on the local register. And we agree that the more properties we can place on our own local Lawrence Register, the stronger our neighborhoods become. So we, we think it's a great idea. We're really happy about it. Um, this house is a really interesting property. I've lived here for 45 years. First time I really noticed it was five years ago. I think the trees kind of hide it. Uh, but my reaction when I saw it was wondering, was I in the right place? It just, it, it's, it's a very interesting house in relation to its context. Of course, uh, uh, one of the values of listing properties is you get to find out the history uh, and the history of a property, you find out about the history of the town too. And in the nomination, we find that uh, this house was built kind of towards the end of a boom period, and then a couple years later, uh, the nation had a severe recession for two years. But not only that, the local area was beset by major grasshopper uh, infestations for two consecutive years, pretty much wiping out any agricultural crop uh, Lawrence and Douglas County had. So uh, a few years later, the uh, builder of this property ended up in Iola, and here we are left with this house that had a very different context uh, grow up around it. It's a real interesting story. Uh, when this house got on the state and national registers, uh, LPA uh, did a couple of social media posts that got pretty major responses for us, uh, and several people commented that even without the porch, this is one of their favorite brick Italianate houses in Lawrence. Thank you. Other public comment? No? Um, how about Commissioner discussion? Cla Commissioner Klein? I just want to add some history uh, that's been, uh, uh, has mentioned a little bit that Sarah A. a. Brown, uh, the daughter of um, Reverend John S. Brown and family, Sarah was the first woman to be nominated for a state office, that of uh, the state uh, uh, director of public instruction. So she's a pretty major lady to um, contend with and a major feminist and suffragist, etc. Just wanted to say that. Thank you, Commissioner Klein. Do we have any other uh, discussion or a motion? Just enjoyed hearing the report. I'm a neighbor and we're at 1034, so I've always been curious about that house and now I know. That's wonderful. Are we ready for a motion then? Um, uh, Commissioner Johnson, I move to 
find that 1124 New Jersey Street, the Henry Waters House meets criteria one and four of chapter 22, section 22-403, and uh, adopt resolution 2023-01, recommending to the governing body of the city of Lawrence, Kansas, that 1124 New Jersey Street be designated as a landmark on the Lawrence Register of Historic Places. Commissioner Hawley. Commissioner Seconds. Oops, sorry, go ahead. Sorry. I believe Commissioner Johnson made the motion and Commissioner Klein seconded. So now we'll take a, um, unless we have any other further discussion, we'll have a roll call vote. Commissioner Klein. Commissioner Klein, aye. Commissioner Haynes. Commissioner Haynes, aye. Commissioner Hawley. Commissioner Hawley, aye. Commissioner Johnson. Commissioner Johnson, aye. Commissioner Ezell. Commissioner Ezell, aye. And Chair Coleman is an aye. That motion carries. Okay, item two, DR-23-0024. This is 837 Connecticut Street. It's roof alterations. The property is located in the environs of the Turn Hollow, located at 900 Rhode Island Street. This is showing the property location here outlined in blue. The Turn Hollow is here in blue at 900 uh, Rhode Island Street. And the environs for the Turn Hollow is this blue line right here that cuts through the property. This is the turn holla and it's under construction. I did this just so I can show a picture of the turn holla. This is the environs map for the turn holla and as you can see, um, 837 is here in the outer reaches of the environs, but it is located in area one. This is the subject property, the primary elevation. And this is showing that north elevation with um, one of the dormers. Here's the dormer here that would be extended. And this is showing that south elevation with the two dormers that would become one dormer and extend along the length of the structure. This is the elevation drawing supplied by the applicant of what the east facing elevation will look like with the dormers. And this is showing that north elevation with one long dormer instead of the two separated dormers. I'm sorry, this is the south elevation. This is the north elevation. And again, showing that long uh, dormer roof addition and then, but on both sides it's set back seven feet. If you'll notice in the staff report, um, staff 
mentioned that if this were listed property, this would be an inappropriate alteration for the roof. But this is an environs review, and the Turnhalla environs is primarily concerned with the residential character of the neighborhood or the environs. And so staff is recommending that you find um, that the project meets the standards of evaluation and approve the certificate of appropriateness for the proposed project. I'd be happy to stand for any questions you might have. Thank you, Lynn. Is the applicant present? What, do you wish to say anything? Sure. <coughs> Come on up. Hello, my name is Kane Robertson. I'm the owner of the property. Um, thank you so much for hearing me. Um, the, the property has been built on and added several times over the years. In the stairwell, when you go up, the dormer, you would hit your head if you didn't turn to the side. So we just want to pop that dormer up so that you can walk up the stairs. And then on the left side, someone has built those two dormers up at some point, and there's one in the middle that's down, and we'd like to pop that one up so that we can put a bathroom so that you could get into the bathtub without going like this. And um, that's, that's really what we're, that's sort of what we're hoping to do. And thank you, Lynn. I've worked in the music industry my whole life, and because of COVID, I'm now in a new industry, so thank you for walking me through this uh, learning curve. And uh, I really appreciate all the emails and texts. So, but that's really all, that's really all we're trying to do for this property. Thank you. Thank you. Is there any public comment? No? Um, commissioner, questions, discussions? It seems, uh, thank you, Lynn, for explaining that it's a context or an environs review at this stage. And um, it would have a different recommendation if it were on the register or in a historic district or perhaps in an overlay district. Well, if there's no discussion, um, I think it's, as Lynn explained it, it's appropriate um, modification to uh, residents in the environs of the Turnhalla. I agree. It looks like a sensitive and will be a great addition. And with that, I would um, move that in accordance with Chapter 22 of the Code of the City of the Lawrence, the standards of evaluation find that the proposed project will not significantly encroach on damage or destroy the landmarks or the environs and issue a certificate of appropriateness for the proposed project. Thank you. Commissioner Johnson, second. Commissioner Holly made a motion and Commissioner Johnson seconds. Is there any uh, discussion? Hearing none, we'll take a roll call vote. Commissioner Klein? Commissioner Klein, aye. Commissioner Haynes? Commissioner Haynes, aye. Commissioner Holly? Commissioner Holly, aye. Commissioner Johnson? Commissioner Johnson, aye. Commissioner Rizal? Commissioner Rizal, aye. 
and Chair Coleman is an aye. Motion carries. Thank you. Good luck with your project. Thanks so much. Item number three, DR-23-00225. One second to pull up. Uh, um, oh. Thank you, Kurt. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, thank you, and good evening, commissioners. Uh, this item is DR 23-00225, and with this application, <laughs> the applicant is requesting to construct a new one-and-a-half-story single-family structure at 738 Missouri Street. The proposed project is located in the environs of the Johnson Block Historic District, and a certificate of appropriateness is required for the proposed new construction. Standard 9 of Chapter 22 and the illustrative design criteria listed in Section 22-505 apply to the project proposed project. The Johnson Block Historic District is roughly bounded by 8th, Missouri, 9th, and Arkansas Streets and is listed in the Lawrence Register of Historic Places. The district is also listed on the state and national registers. On screen you'll see a map which shows the boundaries and environs of the Johnson Block Historic District in blue. The proposed project at 738 Missouri Street would be located to the northeast of the district and is outlined in light blue. The subject property is currently undeveloped. The proposed structure would have a footprint of approximately 2,183 square feet, which includes a 528 square foot attached garage at the rear of the structure. On screen is the proposed site plan for the property, which shows the footprint of the structure with the attached garage at the rear. These are the west and north elevations of the proposed structure. Stucco would be used on the exterior of the main portion of the structure, while the exterior of the attached garage would be finished using fiber, fiber cement lap siding. Wood clad window, casement windows would be used on all sides of the structure, and an insulated carriage house style overhead garage door would be used on the west end of the structure. The roof of the structure would be finished using laminate asphalt shingles and pre-finished aluminum gutters and downspouts. The proposed project would maintain the residential character of the environs and would generally be compatible with the scale or the size, scale, colors, and materials of the environs. However, attached garages are atypical for the environs. Based on the applicable standards of review, staff is of the opinion that the proposed project with the attached garage would not meet the standards and guidelines for review. If the attached garage were removed from the structure, staff could find that the proposed project, uh, or could find the proposed project to be compatible for the environs. Staff did share this finding with the applicant to see if they would be open to detaching the garage from the structure, and the applicant did, the applicant did decide to proceed with the plans as proposed, including the attached garage. Staff would also recommend that the cedar trim and lattice panels proposed uh, would recommend that they be painted since unpainted wood is not considered an appropriate material for the environs. 
So as proposed, staff is of the opinion that the proposed project with the attached garage would significantly encroach on, damage, or destroy the landmark or its environs and recommends denying the certificate of appropriateness for the project. I'd be happy to answer, help answer any questions the commission may have. Can we see the drawings again? Mm -hmm. Is that good or do you want to see the north yes. and west? Or the... Mm -hmm. Well, and, and this sorry. is Commissioner Johnson. What's the, on the east elevation, the breezeway? I apologize. And um, the slides were mislabeled. The elevations uh, on the screen right now um, are the east elevations, uh, which would, be and the face of the the side of the structure that would have the attached garage okay um and so yeah the elevation and um, with the breezeway section is without the the attached garage um and then the the garage portion of that structure is um the elevation is provided on the right so if if the um if it was decided that the garage would be detached there would be a breezeway versus the it being indoors completely is that or am i completely misunderstood yeah i'm a little confused on that too. <laughs> so the breezeway would be there um, and provided as a connection between the uh, attached garage or the garage space and then the the front portion of the structure um oh so let me see if I can go back one more time. Um, so on this north elevation, you can see um, the the front portion of the structure here is uh, in that stucco um, finish, and then this would be the breezeway portion connecting um, into the into the garage space. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the breezeway would also uh, be finished with the horizontal lap siding. And just to confirm, hmm. I mean, the breezeway is in fact a solid portion of building it's not a as illustrated here it appears to be correct well and that's that's con confusing to me because i wouldn't necessarily call that a breezeway it's just i mean the house it's i hmm I think it might be appropriate now to yeah. hear from the applicant if the yeah. applicant is present. Hi, Chair Coleman and commissioners. Thank you for the opportunity to speak and bring this project before you tonight. Um, I do have a thumb drive with some photos, context photos, if that's something I can share. Um, give me just one second. Mm 
Kingston, above that. Oh, Kingston, there we go. Yeah, oh, there we go. There go. Yeah. Okay, so, okay. Gotcha. and so, yeah, you can open them, and then you'll, um, Kurt, will you be able to share the screen, or should he share? I'm trying to highlight all of them and trying to open them. Well, are you going to share all of them, or are you just going to show like a couple? Uh, I was just going to browse through them quickly uh, once I get to that point. Um, okay. okay. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I should be able to, if it works here, I should be able to handle it, I think. Um, I uh, just to start I you know wanted to thank staff for the review um, uh, I, I I have a sense that the um, the, the, the the denial the suggestion of denial based on the um, attachment of the garage is, is I mean maybe a, li a little idealistic in terms of um, the context, for one, I mean, I, you know, part of what I'll show with the the context in these photos that there is that there are quite a number of attached garages, and some of them are done not done well, and some of them, you know, are okay. Um, I, I as I drive through the neighborhood and I and I you know try to get a feel myself for the context and and what you what you experience when you drive through these areas you know effectively keep in mind that we're talking about the alleys we're not talking about the street we wouldn't really even be able to see the garage from the street so the context would be more as if you know you were driving down the alley um, honestly just outside of the environs because the environs actually cuts through our lot and the, this garage in question is completely out of the environs it's on the property that's cut by the environs but I don't want to split hairs on that, but it, you know, effectively, it's. It, it, I appreciate the, the the general idea that we should be protecting the listed properties on the Johnson Block. I do have. I, I guess I take issue with the the level at which um, that review might um, begin to encroach on people's. Um, convenience of use of their homes, um, especially when we're building, uh, you know, a new structure on an empty lot. Um, I, you know, when this owner came to me specifically um, to design this house, it was partly because I do a lot of historic uh, work, um, and I'm sort of used to dealing with things in historic context. And we, when we started the project, we we knew that attached garages weren't the ideal. So, you know, we did have a discussion with staff and the general idea was that we were going to look at this house and its attached garage in the best light possible with regard to historic context. And, and in that, we're looking at a one and a half story house, not a really big house. Um, and with the garage, it's a one story garage and it's attached with a hyphen. Um, you know, I, I may have called it a breezeway in a drawing, but you're right. It's effectively part of the house. It's, it's a heated attached part of the house and part of it has a, a bathroom and a pantry in it um, so um, really I guess at this point I, I could walk through uh, a couple let's see if I can get it to share here um, am I going to need to hit share screen here Oop. I think so yeah try I see there we go. Oh, perfect. Okay, so now let's see. It looks like I should be able to browse through it. So this is just a quick example, and I'll just try to do these real quick so we don't waste a whole lot of time on it. But 
Um, this is an example of a, of a type of attached garage in, that you know apparent, appears to be a historic structure in in the district. Um, and again, I I didn't. I'm, I'm not going to try to figure out exactly where all these are in relation to the Johnson Block. Um, some of them were on the Johnson Block that I'll show, and others were not. They're just kind of general context and area um, that, of the environs. And here's another one. I believe this is the one right next door, another attached garage, as seen from the back. Um, both, you know, basement-type garages. And again, this is um, one of the things I wanted to point out is that we've built a lot of these neighborhoods uh, and, and back accessory structures up to the to the scale that um, I don't know whether this is an attached garage or not I can't tell you, you literally cannot tell you drive down the alley in a lot of these areas and the sense you get is a bit of a canyon I mean you do see a few occasional small uh, detached structures that are freestanding with no fences and you can clearly see it's a detached structure but I, I wouldn't necessarily say that's you know, completely the norm here. Um, but just, again, I'm just gonna browse through these quickly and try to make a couple comments. So in this one, again, I don't know whether that's attached or not, but you get the, you get the sense that this is the character we're talking about. Again, not, not um, wholly appropriate here. This is on Michigan Street in the neighborhood. Um, but again, this is, it's, it's environment, it's outside of the official environs, but this, this sort of general character. Um, this one, I believe, is on Ninth and and Michigan. Um, again, you know, this is this is the context. This is a new structure that I believe um, was built in the last couple of years. And again, it's it's to the extent that you know it may be. Um, it was I assume it. Well, whether this one had to go through HRC or not, I'm not sure whether it's quite in the actual environs of the Johnson Block or whether it was in an environs, but. Um, again, the context here is that there are a lot of these structures that you really can't tell whether they're attached or not. Um, I, I'm not 100% certain whether that one was. I didn't get in there. And then there's some historic ones that uh, uh, may or may not be listed, but again, that's an attached structure um, in, in the very close area. Um, again, you know, I would say this clearly is an old house, um, and you know, I think they probably were doing something similar to what we're doing, but I don't think they did it quite as well or sensitively as as we tried to do with a hyphen. And this is clearly a, a one and a half story garage attached addition where we would be a lot shorter than that and um, attached in a much more sensitive way. Um, this is another fairly new structure that is just a long continuation of a little historic brick house in the area. And this is the other view of that. Um, again, context, you know, it just depends if you're slightly off angle, you can't really tell whether things are attached or not in a, in a lot of these. And, and just general, general context. This is another attached garage in, in very close. Um, I, I think a, a, another new structure, again, I, I'm not entirely sure whether that one's attached or not. I couldn't quite see from where I was taking my photos from. Um, again, that gives you kind of an idea of the sort of, that's, that's what the viewer sees when they go down an alley. They, you're not really, you know, if you're a planner or an architect looking at an aerial photo, you might be able to tell that there's a little carriage house in a, in a back lot. Um, but when you're driving down the alley, that's that's kind of what you experience. And whether something is attached or not, 
again, I think it's a pretty difficult standard that may not really be serving us as well as some of the other standards that might regard scale of, of, of accessory structures. Um, again, back to scale and, you know, attached. Another fairly new structure, uh, again, scale. It, it meets the standards because it's um, smaller um, and shorter, but I, I think that what we presented is a lot more sensitive than, than a lot of what I'm seeing in the area. Um, and let's see. There was a couple, one, well, I don't need to really show it. I just wanted to point out, it was on the earlier photo uh, when staff shared the environs. The environs do cut through the yard and, and you know, the garage is wholly outside of that, that line. Um, long story short, I mean, I think we feel like we did a pretty good job of being sensitive to the historic context and we'd ask that you consider approving um, what we've presented, um, or if you think that it could be improved without detaching it, without disconnecting it uh, with some modifications, we'd be willing to go before the ARC as well. Any questions I'm, I you can any questions? answer? Uh, Commissioner Klein has a question. Um, I have a couple of questions. One, um, um, uh, this is on the property is undeveloped. I wasn't sure. Um, I guess my question is just how long it's been uh, an empty lot, and um, and to observe that this would be a brand new structure. Um, so that's well, one question. Second question is um, I noticed uh, yellow wavy lines on the plant on the lot at one of the drawings, and it made me think about uh, stormwater drainage. It, it, I'm, I'm in, which ties into my first question. Is the lot undeveloped because it used to have flooding in, on that particular lot? So I, it's, I have three intertwined questions there. I'm unaware of the history of the lot. My uh, client bought it from uh, a local realtor. Um, exactly how it became to be vacant, I have, I have no idea. Um, the, the yellow line is really just, it's just a contour line from the city's GIS mapping and it's there to indicate the, the slope of the grade from uh, higher at the west side of the lot to lower at the east side of the lot. Um, and part of the design solution there has the house, you know, at trying to be appropriate, uh, maybe four, four or five steps up on the front um, so that it feels, you know, appropriate. Uh, historic effectively it's sitting on a basement so it's up out of the ground as most of the older homes are and then the garage is down at ground level towards the alley so um, at, at several steps lower I, I, I want to say the back of the lots maybe three foot lower and I don't believe there's any flooding issues or stormwater structures there is a stormwater drain in the alley behind this property so I think it's probably managed pretty well this is Avery Kerner planning staff, I pulled up the um, online interactive map and the aerial images for the property as far back as 1995 show that it's remained undeveloped. Um, and yeah, I turned on the um, uh, the flood, flood layers. It doesn't look like there's any floodplain encumbering the property. Um, and then the, the applicant is correct. There is um, some stormwater infrastructure along the alley. 
um, but but not on the property. Thank you. Do you um, do you believe that the the client the owner would entertain detaching the garage, keeping you know building the garage, but not having it actually physically attached? I think that we would uh, prefer to have it attached. I mean that was that's what she hired me to get done for her. Um, I think that most anybody would want to be able to walk from their car to their into their house without going up icy steps if possible. Um, at the end of the day, if, if, if you know, I, would she go try to go around this body? I don't know, we haven't had that discussion. Um, I got the sense that, you know, if a design was sensitive in this manner, if it was done in a way um, that, that the standard of having no attached garages to houses might be a, a little stringent, and that that might be something that um, HRC could see their way to approve. Um, th that was my feeling um, er early on. I mean, I don't know that we, you know, that, that that's where we are now. That was <laughs> that was the sense I got. So that this is what we're trying to do. And a question to either you or Lynn, um, just out of curiosity in the conversations with this, because I, I do feel this is sensitive and massing, it's smaller. Um, I love the joy of fear every time I walk from my car to my house, um, but I like to live on the edge. But out of curiosity, were there any discussions where would staff, if there were tweaks to the architectural character of the breezeway to make it more distinctly hyphen. I was just curious if anything else was was explored. We did not have those discussions. We haven't had those discussions. But that would be something that would be appropriate for ARC to investigate. Yeah, I'm wondering that as well. It, it strikes me that, you know, I mean, I, I did attempt to set this off with a different type of siding. Um, now that's a different type of siding for the garage and the breezeway connector uh, than the house, you know, and we could handle um, a more distinct differentiation with paint, um, you know, where, where that middle part seems a lot lessened. Um, but again, you know, it could be another material entirely. It could be um, potentially more glazing. Um, and just to be clear, I was just I'm we haven't had. Not we haven't suggesting. Had, we I haven't, was just trying to. Yeah, we, we haven't. We haven't gone there yet. Any other questions for the applicant? Oh, thank you. Thank you. Is there any public comment on this item? Good evening, Commissioners. Dennis Brown, uh, Lawrence Preservation Alliance. Uh, Michael Delaney and I have discussed this uh, in preparing for tonight, and our thoughts are really jiving with where the tenor of this conversation is starting to go. Uh, um, the house design is pretty cool. The front looks sweet, uh, but our issues are with this 
thing that attaches the garage to the house. It's not a breezeway. It kind of wants to be a hyphen or a connector, but the way it's drawn, it seems to be a continuation of the house. Uh, we think a trip to the ARC should easily uh, keep this property uh, in uh, a state where it wouldn't have to be denied. Uh, and I think the things to look at would be uh, bumping the connector in a little bit, especially where it, it's with that, that, I don't know if it's the south or north side where it's just a big line of the house and the garage with maybe a a slight one foot bump in or something. But the main thing I think that's th throwing this out of the hyphen territory and into the, that's still part of the house territory, is the uh, height of the ridge line. It's the same height as the garage. Why does a connector whose sole function is to walk from the garage in a sheltered way to the back of the house have to be that tall. If the roof line of the connector is dropped way down, LPA feels like this could easily be approved and we would hope that uh, 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 the applicant would want to discuss that with the ARC. Thank you. Do we have any additional public comment? Okay, hearing none, should we, do we have any discussion? Commissioners, any thoughts? Well, I was thinking, uh, Commissioner Klein, I was thinking in the same lines uh, along uh, Dennis Brown and, and even uh, Jay Holly's, um, Commissioner Holly's uh, intimations that I would move that we send this project to um, the um, ARC for further tweaking, um, whatever, possible solutions that might be that have been discussed or something else entirely, um, I think that would be a good idea. Is that a motion? That was a motion. So I move that we send this um, item DR2300225 to the Architectural Review Committee. I'd second that and I would just add while seconding and commenting, um, I personally uh, can't speak for the board but think that with the AR with the ARC and some discussion a solution that maintains it being an enclosed connector not an open breezeway would be something that I think would ultimately be compatible I would agree on this is Commissioner Johnson and and looking at it um, opposite where the the pantry and the um, bathroom are that connect to the garage is a covered porch and then there's a patio. So there looks like there's some opportunities there to do some rearranging and I don't know, even the possibility of a screened in sort of porch that connects the garage with the rest of the house um, would maybe be a possibility, I don't know. I believe we could find a solution. Yeah. So we have a motion and a second. Any other discussion? Seeing 
So we'll take a roll call vote to send the project to ARC. Commissioner Klein. Commissioner Klein, aye. Commissioner Haynes. Commissioner Haynes, aye. Commissioner Holly. Commissioner Holly, aye. Commissioner Johnson. Commissioner Johnson, aye. Commissioner Rizell. Commissioner Rizell, aye. And Chair Coleman is an aye. So six to ARC. Thank you. Thank you. Item number four, DR-23-00188. Okay. Good evening again. Uh, this item is DR-23-00188. And with this application, the applicant is requesting to rehabilitate and relocate the existing accessory structure on site from the northeast corner to the southeast corner of the property and to construct a second accessory structure on site at 822 Rhode Island Street. The proposed project is located in the North Rhode Island Street Historic Residential District, which is listed in the National Register of Historic Places, standards one, two, five, six, and nine of the Secretary of the Interior's standards for state law review apply to the proposed project. Also, I'd like to note that, uh, as mentioned in the staff report, this property came before the HRC uh, for a different project back in March, which was a request to demolish the primary structure on site and to replace that structure with a new two-story duplex. That primary structure is a non-contributing non structure uh, and the HRC approved the demolition and new construction plans, but did deny a carport that was included in the proposed project. On screen, there are two maps which show the location of the subject property in relation to the North Rhode Island Street Historic District. The first image shows the entirety of the district in red and the second image provides a close-up view of the subject property within the historic district. The green dots on the screen represent contributing structures and the red dots represent the structures that are not contributing to the district. Uh, this image shows, uh, or this image is showing the south elevation of the existing accessory structure on site. And that structure is identified as a contributing structure to the North Rhode Island Historic District. Again, the applicant is proposing to relocate the existing accessory structure from the northeast corner of the site, shown on the screen here in red, uh, to the southeast corner of the site, shown in green. In its current location, the existing accessory structure opens to the south. Relocating the accessory structure would include rotating the structure so that the garage door opens towards the alley to the east. This is the proposed site plan for the property, which shows the proposed new location of the existing accessory structure in the southeast corner of the site and the new accessory structure that would be proposed in the northeast corner of the site. As you can see, the footprint of the proposed accessory structure would be only slightly larger than the footprint of the existing accessory structure. Rehabilitating the accessory structure would include placing the structure on new footings replacing the damaged horizontal lap siding, and replacing the roof with a new asphalt shingle roof. 
These are the elevations for the proposed accessory structure provided by the applicant. These elevations were added to this evening's packet just earlier today. Lap siding and asphalt shingle roofing would be used on the new accessory structure to match the existing accessory structure. Overall, the proposed project meets many of the standards and guidelines for compatible new construction and for the relocation and rehabilitation of the contributing accessory structure. While the orientation of the contributing structure would be altered, the structure and its historic use would be preserved. Based on the applicable standards of review, staff is of the opinion that the proposed project would not damage or destroy the historic property or district and recommends approval of the proposed project. With that, I'd be happy to answer any questions that the commission may have. So in our March meeting, or I think that was the right one, we approved the residence, but not the carport. That's correct? Yes. Correct. The, or the site plan um, shows the the duplex, the footprint of the uh, approved duplex structure, the carport that was proposed would, it, um, would have been located um, at the southeast quarter of the, of the structure. Um, but yes, that, was, that portion of the project was denied. Any questions for staff? Is the applicant present? I do not believe uh, the applicant is present. Um, I know Chris, uh, Chris Cunningham, the applicant, said that he wasn't going to be able to attend tonight, um, but indicated that maybe the uh, uh, co-applicant or property owner um, would be able to attend, but they are not in attendance. Okay, well then, We'll move on to public comment. Is there any public comment on this item? Okay, hearing none. Any uh, discussion from commission? I think it looks fine. I also believe it's a um, acceptable design. Retaining the existing garage, I think, is a good uh, a good thing, and putting it on a new foundation and fixing it up and uh, moving it to the side so that another car uh, garage could be constructed, both freestanding. Um, I think that is that is appropriate. I'll move that in accordance with the Secretary of State, Secretary of the Interior Standards, the standards of evaluation to approve the project and make the determination that the project would not destroy the historic property included in the National Register of Historic Places. I will second that motion. Any discussion? Let's take a let's take a roll call vote. Commissioner Klein. Commissioner Klein, aye. 
Commissioner Ezell? Commissioner Ezell, aye. Commissioner Haynes? Commissioner Haynes, aye. Commissioner Johnson? Commissioner Johnson, aye. Commissioner Hawley? Commissioner Hawley, aye. And <coughs> uh, Chair Coleman is an aye. But I've lost count. Did I get everyone? Got everyone. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Motion carries. Great. So now it's time for agenda item, public comment item number five, public hearing for revisions to chapter 22. So unless there's a burning desire by the commission, I'm not gonna pull up the document and go through it. Um, what was posted was what you had directed staff last month to put out for public comment that um, has been online since that last meeting. We did not receive any public comment until today. Um, we received comment from the East Lawrence Neighborhood Association that was added to your packet earlier today. Um, staff went through some of their questions and concerns just so you would have that information available as you look to move forward with this. If you want to make additional changes and come back, if you want to make additional changes and have the document move forward uh, to the city attorney's office for final review before it goes to the city commission for review or any other direction you may have for staff. Um, the first item they had was um, in section 22-102E should also include infrastructure, sidewalks, stone curbs, sidewalks, and similar elements. Um, staff is suggesting that you add objects to the list between structures and properties, and then add to the definition and the definition section um, those um, <coughs> brick streets, sidewalks, stone curbs, sidewalks, and similar elements. And so that seemed like um, a fairly simple change that you could make this evening to the documents should you so choose. Mm -hmm. um, their next one was section 22-110B1 that should also include historic infrastructure and streetscapes and viewscapes. Um, staff looked at these and went through the document and is of the opinion that the environs is equivalent to viewscapes and streetscapes. Mm -hmm it kind of incorporates those elements as part of the environs. So it's not recommending any changes for that item. Section 22-210B8 refers to methods of informing the public. Um, Elna believes that methods should include digital resources and Staff is recommending that you add that to section 22-210B8 to allow for that digital resources to be part of that. Section 22-210B10, um, Elna believes Lawrence should develop specific design criteria with genuine community involvement and historic preservation best practices. Um, 
staff is of the opinion that there are no changes needed in this section because the city's public engagement process requires us to work with the public, have public meetings, open public um, meetings for specific questions like we did in January for this document. We held public meetings, invited the public to attend, and then we've had public meetings at most of your meetings since November. And um, also, uh, as far as um, best preservation practices this chapter is reviewed by the state historic preservation office to make sure it reflects best preservation practices so staff is not recommending any changes associated with that item section 22210b11 would require notifications in the ordinance should also include neighbors neighborhood associations where applicable and civic organizations interested in historic preservation activities. Staff was unclear on what this we was referring to because 210B11 is the requirement of city agencies to submit to the HRC. So it was getting at uh, development permits, um, projects from municipal services and operations that they would have to submit those um, permits to the HRC for review. But it is a good point that neighborhood associations should be included. And if the portion of the document regarding landmark notification, that the public um, ha has something that says that notification should be sent to the public that has requested information, but perhaps um, this could be expanded to the, um, possibly add registered neighborhood associations to that section. Section 22210B16, Elna suggests changing the term governing body to governing bodies in order to include county commission and other governing bodies when communication with these entities is appropriate. Um, this is a city ordinance, and so it's directing city business. And so our legal department has specifically put in governing body um, to be reflective of what the Historic Resources Commission's responsibilities are. So staff is not recommending any changes. Section 22210B19. Ilna agrees that applicable individuals should strive to attend seminars and added, suggest adding the language and seek funding to do so as necessary. Um, I think this is kind of a given in our climate that we always seek whatever opportunities we can um, to make sure those opportunities that exist out there can be taken advantage of by the Historic Resources Commission. So staff is not recommending any changes for that. Um, section 22301C2, um, Elna suggests language referencing groupings of landmarks because of their type, such as barns, craftsman houses, religious sites, etc., specifically areas in and adjacent to East Lawrence that contain historic resources relating to early um, Lawrence Prequantral, the railroad, early industry, World War II, working class, vernacular housing types, and various ethnic, 
ethnicities. Um, this is the section on survey and what to survey. Um, putting things in thematic nominations is the next step once you do the survey of properties. And so staff is not recommending any changes to the survey section of this. The survey should incorporate all buildings um, in an area and then come together with thematic nominations to be listed. So staff is not recommending any changes to that section. Section 22301C3, um, illness strongly believes economic hardship should include low-income individuals and families, and that appropriate language should be inserted into Article 6. I know we've had a little bit of discussion about Article 6 in the past and exactly what the intent there is to do. Um, this section only notes the types of review for certificate of approval. Additional information is not appropriate for this section. Article 6, economic hardship can be for anyone, not just low-income individuals and families, and they should not be singled out. Examples of economic hardship are only when a certificate of approval is required, not for ordinary maintenance, and is not required unless the property owner is taking some action on their property. An example would be a property owner wants to build an addition to their home. <coughs> they want to use vinyl siding instead of a compatible siding, and they would because the um, compatible siding is too expensive. And so they would apply for um, certificate of economic hardship and would go through that process to show why it would be a financial burden um, not to use compatible materials versus final siding. The other um, example of that would be if a property owner wants to demolish a historic structure because the rehabilitation cost would be an economic hardship on the applicant. And so it, uh, this section, Article 6, sets up the documentation that would need to be presented um, to make that determination that it could not be feasibly rehabilitated on a cost um, would be an economic hardship. So the economic hardship section of the document is not to impose economic um, intentions on low income or people of a economic status, but rather if those people seek to do something to their property which would not, ordinary maintenance does not um, count for this section. It would be if they're actively seeking to do something to the property. So it is not meant to be punitive in any way. It's to allow for people who, like I said, want to put on an addition and want to use siding instead of a compatible material and they would prove why that siding was cheaper and met their responsibilities easier than using composition siding. So staff is not recommending any changes to Article 6. The next one was Section 22505B and 22604. Elena believes that there is an appeal process beyond the City Commission to the Kansas SHPO. If so, this should be spelled out. This again is chapter 22, it's a city ordinance and it's only for properties that are listed in the Lawrence Register of Historic Places 
and in the context area of historic places. The um, SHPO has no review or um, say in the how these process works or they are not an appeal process. The SHPO reviews are for state law review and that's a separate type of review. They look at um, properties that are listed in the National Register or the Kansas Register, not the Lawrence Register. So staff is not recommending any changes to that section. Section 22-1004, 22-1201, and 22-1301, Elna agrees that required minimum maintenance can be an important tool for preserving historic resources, unfortunately for low-income individuals and families who are struggling to survive, and I won't go ahead and read all that. You see it in your letter. Um, minimum maintenance code exists in the city code. What the minimum maintenance section of chapter 22 does is just identify that that minimum maintenance standard from the city code will also apply to historic properties. Um, the submission of a building or demolition permit is what enacts the certificate of approval process. So maintenance does not typically require a certificate of approval. And those are the changes that staff reviewed from that communication from East Lawrence Neighborhood Association. And I'd be happy to stand for any questions. Commissioner Klein has a question. Um, I have several questions, but my first one is, um, this is, I'm, I'm beginning to count how many times that there have been communications that I or maybe other commissioners did not know about until the last minute. I personally cannot um, digest all of this information um, and and also to, I was trying to write as fast as, as possible to write down what the comment was and then also what staff response was and i personally don't have time to digest it all in this given time of this meeting i would personally like a whole lot more time to um consider it and to understand the the implications and the ramifications of what um, the east lawrence neighborhood association is asking for and the criteria or the rationale that um, staff is applying to this um, i could go on with each one of these points but i mean because again I'd, I'd like to raise the economic hardship article i still do not understand it i see it as a loophole for people to say i'd rather demolish a property historic property contributing structure than um and, and to build something new. And it's a hardship if I can't do that. Um, I don't understand that article. So um, I'll, I'll quit talking, but um, I, I for one would not want to move on changing, uh, on approving chapter 22 without having more time to consider each of these points that the East Lawrence Associ uh, Neighborhood Association has raised. What is the next step? Is it um, going to the city attorney? Is that what you said? Right, if the commission approves 
the draft nominate the draft chapter this evening the next step would be to the city attorney's office they've looked at it one time but not since all the changes have been made so they would look at all the changes that have been made place it in ordinance form and then place it on a city commission agenda whether that be a study session and then um, a public hearing for the determination of the ordinance at a later date or if they want to just do the public meeting for the ordinance that would be up to the city commission I see. thank you any other questions for staff well and is this questions just in general or related to this related to those sets of yes. comments or general questions. in any, oh, okay. any chapter 22. okay all right um, I had a, a question about um, the changes to the chapter about um, environs and uh, would that the earlier application with the garage and the garage being like cut off of the boundary line would the changes we're making to chapter 22 change any of that assessment for that particular case yeah the change the new structure would be located in the environment so it would still get reviewed if it was a detached garage and outside that environs line it would not get reviewed hmm. okay um and then kind of um well, kind of picking up on things that we've had tonight, the the first comments by by Candace Davis about um, massing and scale, and I know that's part of the Oread guidelines, but I was wondering whether the new illustrations would help with something similar happening under these guidelines of, of avoiding those issues of gosh that does look out of scale or that massing is inappropriate I think the illustrations really help with that I think it's always going to come down to a case-by-case -case basis yeah. um, and trying to use that illustration to give you direction well it's just I you know I was looking at those illustrations and particularly the one on scale and the scale and directional expression and thinking gosh that would have I think that would have influenced how those other buildings were built in the case she was showing us mm -hmm. I think it would be obvious oh yeah that needs to be turned a different way and be of a smaller size and all of that so I, I'm always as you can tell, I'm, I'm interested in finding real life examples that I can imagine how the ordinance would apply. So that's why I'm checking in. Okay, thank you. Lynn, um, Commissioner Holly, Lynn, uh, question just the action before the board with the Elma comments. Um, I know we, we haven't voted on that. Personally, I agree with staff's assessment on all of the items that you went line by line my only question a question to you is uh, notifying neighborhoods is that 
when you say registered neighborhoods, is that with formal city, they're registered? Right. The city has a, a list of recognized neighborhood associations. So what actions are available to us? Like, could we, could we approve 22, but accepting staff's recommendations to incorporate and clarify per ELMAs? Because it's not final language yet. Oh, do it concurrently? That's what I'm, I'm asking, if they're distinct or if we have to get another round of updated language. Mm. If Before other commissioners attorney, yeah. similarly agreed, say with Lynn's fairly, I thought straightforward and thoughtful assessment on yeah. Elna's, mm -hmm. do we need to say, do we move on that and mm -hmm. then get another round and delay it yet another month? Yeah, I was wondering the same, and I like Commissioner Klein, I felt very unprepared when I saw all those comments come in at the last minute. <laughs> I was not. Uh, didn't have time to think about them. As you talked about them, I think I agree, but um, it's hard to make a decision at this moment, I think. But should, we should, before we consider anything, call for public comment, if there's any at this time. Okay, I hear no public comment, so I'll take it back to discussion amongst the commissioners. Um, is anyone else feeling like we need some more time to think about this? Yeah. Yes, I, I feel I need more time to think about it. Um, in terms of, I'm, I just want to review a few things quickly. The first point about adding sidewalks and objects and, and brick streets and so forth, that was a point that um, the East Lawrence neighborhood made from the very beginning of the process. And I had requested that um, to be added to definitions um, quite a, a long time ago. Um, uh, uh, let's see, uh, no danger. I need more time to think. Of, to, I need time to, to read the, the comments in contrast with the, in comparison to staff's recommendations. Do you know what I mean? I need to read those side by side and to study that. Um, I'm not prepared to um, pass Chapter 22 at this time. Does the city attorney require a fully completed document? in order to start their review yes okay well and and so this is commissioner johnson would it be appropriate for us to continue this until our next meeting and um ask staff to respond to the east lawrence comments with their suggestions that they presented tonight but show us a draft with that in there um, so that we can see what that language would, would look like. Um, I don't know. I quite like that suggestion. Um, Lynn, you, would, that would be something that could staff send your responses to the commission via email so long as we don't all reply. It's not an open meeting, but it gives time to digest and discuss 
at the next meeting and not take two meetings to do it unless required. I, and I would be afraid about kind of making those changes on the fly tonight and then it possibly ends up altering something that another interested group had commented on <laughs> and and then we yeah would cause issues that were inadvertent I also don't want to delay it but I think we're, I mean, we've had such good public comment and participation in this, and the chapter is so much more improved. I means it's, it's like we're so close to having something very good that it's, it's like, why don't we just take one extra meeting and get it as right as we can before sending it on? I tend to agree. I, I do wonder if those comments came in during the comment period. Um, the way we take public comment is you have until 10 o'clock on the day of the meeting to make public, written public comment to get posted to the agenda packet. Yes, okay. Okay, uh, it looks like we have some public comment right now. Mike Delaney from the uh, Preservation Alliance. W would it be the, the uh, commission's expectation that public comment generally will be held open until the next meeting or that public comment is closed except for uh, the digesting of the comments that have been received to date? I mean, uh, the alternative is that there may be another one of these that happens and then the can gets kicked down the road another month, though. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Good point. Yeah, that's what what I'm I'm not interested in del delaying this just for the heck of it. Um, it it would be for these particular um, comments. I mean, because we have we have been at this for a while and and have diligently responded to comments and made changes and and it does seem as commissioner klein pointed out on some of them uh we have talked about them before yeah um like that item on the objects um being defined as brick streets and sidewalks and stone curbs um and the other items i agree that they're already covered um except for those couple additions that she suggested. And um, I don't suppose, oh, sorry. No, you go ahead. Well, and this is Commissioner Johnson. I don't suppose uh, if we, can we, can we close the public hearing and continue this 
until our next meeting. So the public hearing's closed. But if it's on next meeting's agenda, then know. that public it would it would be a public meeting, and you would still be able to yeah. make public comment on it um, yeah. at next month's meeting. I mean, the alternative is, yeah, th that we continue it, and yes, more comments could come up, mm -hmm. um, or we tough it out tonight and digest it. Well, one of the questions, again, <laughs> sorry. Go ahead, Commissioner Klein. Commissioner Klein, is, um, as you know, I'm, I'm the least um, ec expert on this, uh, on the legalese in, in the language and, and the discussions, and I've tried really hard. I have um, read and read and reread and reread and, and, and sought to understand um, exactly what's going on throughout the document. Um, for example, in terms of um, a survey, um, and again, I haven't had a chance to digest what um, East Lawrence technically asked about landmark types and historic times, but my, one of my questions has always been, how do you get a survey started? Um, when I look at the Lawrence map of historic um, resources, of, of historic properties in terms of what's already been registered for Lawrence, there are huge gaps in the southern part of um, East Lawrence, for example, as well as other neighborhoods, and and I and, and I don't see anywhere in the chapter 22 that addresses how does any given property or an area or something how does it how can it happen how can we make it happen how can anyone make it happen that a section could be surveyed um, so that more properties could be considered for uh, the Lawrence Register. I can answer that, Commissioner Klein. Um, part of what we do and what will come before this body as soon as Chapter 22 moves forward would be the um, definition of a work plan. That work plan would identify areas of the city to be surveyed and in what priority order. If there were specific themes that needed to be studied, those themes could also be um, studied through that survey typically surveys are funded by a certified local government grant from the historic preservation office we do not have the staff funding or capability to do those surveys in-house so we apply for grants based on the work plan that the historic resources commission sets the work plan that we've been working on or under for the past I think it's about 15 years was done when the preservation plan was um, adopted several, uh, like about 15, I think it's 15 years ago that designated areas as low, middle, and high priority. We've since been working off that document. For example, the last survey that we received funding for was the Barker neighborhood. And we had to divide that into two 
um, different phases of survey due to funding, but now we're ready to update our maps with what would be the next areas that would need to get surveyed. So it'll be a work plan established by the Historic Resources Commission that would identify what surveys go next. Thank you. Okay, so um, to summarize, we could decide to make a motion to add the three items that staff recommended. I think there were three by my count um, from East Lawrence Association um, into chapter 22, or we could decide to delay to the next meeting having that summary sent to the commissioners on each item. Was it just three? The uh, objects to the 22-102E. Um, Commissioner or Chair, Chairman, Chairwoman Coleman, I believe that I was writing as fast as possible and I believe that there were 11 points that East Lawrence raised and then staff had, you know, comments or explanations back. So I don't know which three points you're talking about. Yes, um, I'm talking about the first one, adding the word objects and then defining that word. The, th the third item adding digital resources to the methods of informing the public and then the fifth item adding uh, neighborhood associations to their required list of notified parties and the other items she explained that she in her determination um, that those things are already covered in chapter 22 somewhere. I believe that's, those are the notes I took. That's what I have. Okay. Um, I, I could, in, in terms of neighborhood associations that are registered, um, the word registered is a little unclear to me. Um, I know there's a list online of names of neighborhoods, and but there are uh, newer neighborhood associations um, asking to be created, you know, um, as time goes on. Um, uh, so I'm not sure that that they have to be registered per se. Is my question? I, I that's unclear to me. I think if they're not registered, how would you know who to send the notification to? and that they well, represented the neighborhood. Right, 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 right. And I would think that it would retroact, or not retroactively, it, it would include then future registered, registered neighborhood associations by definition. Mm -hmm. 
the way things work now is when there's a property that's you know any not historic not dealing with historic but when there's any kind of a property that's coming up for any kind of a change the city automatically sends all the addresses in that vicinity a notification of what's going on so they have a chance to um you know give a public comment so that's why i'm not sure i understand i mean i i, I think it's incredible i think it's good that neighborhood associations need to be included somewhere in our in in the document here i agree with that um i'm, I'm again i'm not i'm not clear exactly which line and where <laughs> definitions and all that I can provide a little bit of additional information on that. Um, so what Commissioner Klein just um, stated was correct, that if there's a development application submitted uh, to the planning office, notice goes out to all property owners within a certain radius of that um, proposed development. And then any registered, any neighborhood association that is registered with the planning office, and so there's a form on our website um, that would need to be filled out providing contact information um, to the planning division. And um, so any neighborhood um, association that is formally registered with the planning office is also included in that notification of the development application if its boundaries are um, within that radius or uh, contiguous to that, uh, that notice area. And so under the Land Development Code, a neighborhood association has to be registered in order to receive that notification. If not, it the notice only goes to the, the property owners within that radius. I think I've talked myself into trying to move th through this tonight. Um. Well, and this is Commissioner Johnson. I, I mean, if 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 I were to make a, a motion, <laughs> I would I would move uh, for approval of this draft of Chapter Twenty Two with the changes recommended by staff tonight on the three items um, described earlier. And I would be comfortable with that, but that's me. I think I would agree. Is that a motion or a hypothetical? Well, well I, I, it, it, I think you want to discuss it. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a motion. I make it a motion. There you go. Seconded. Wonderful. Commissioner Johnson made a motion and Commissioner Hawley seconded. Need discussion? Would you repeat the motion again before we actually vote? Well, and is there, let me see, was there some actual nice language that I should have used from that? No, okay. Um, I, I move for um, approval of the final draft of Chapter 22 uh, with additional language related to three items from the East Lawrence Neighborhood Association concerning objects, digital resources, and uh, registered neighborhood associations. 
and that's it. <laughs> and ask staff to draft that language. Include that in chapter 22 and mm -hmm. send it on to the attorney. Yep. Commissioner Holly, does your second stand? It does. That was a very clear extemporaneous motion. I applaud you. Okay. If there's no other discussion, we'll take a roll call vote. Commissioner Klein. Commissioner Klein, I only for those three stated um, er language areas. Is that, but is but that not, not totality. But not otherwise, draft. I have to vote nay because I need more time to, to really study everything. Okay, that's I'm, let me just vote nay. Yeah, that's fair. Commissioner Hates. Commissioner Hawley. Commissioner Hawley, aye. Commissioner Johnson. Commissioner Johnson, aye. Commissioner Izell. Izell, aye. And Chair Coleman is an aye. So we have five ayes and one nay. Did you get that, Lynn? I did, thank you. Okay, um, so then we'll move on to miscellaneous items, number one. SUP-23-00231. Can I do that? Yeah. So um, the this is a special use uh, permit application for um, a healthcare office use at 1910 Haskell Avenue. Uh, there is no action required by the Historic Resource Commission on this item, but since it's in the, uh, the environs of a, a locally listed property, um, it's being forwarded or it's being provided um, to you all uh, for the opportunity for public comment, if that's appropriate. Um, but again, no action is required of the commission. Thank you. I'm not sure what to do next. <laughs> Ask if there's any comment from any of the commissioners. Commissioners, do you have any comments? Do we take public comment or no? No. All right. Thank you for the opportunity to review <laughs> or to peruse. <laughs> All right, um, is that all we done? Staff has no more miscellaneous items, but we would ask if there are any miscellaneous items from the commission. Nope, hearing none, I believe we're adjourned. Thank you, Thank you. all for a productive meeting. Yes. Lynn or Avery or anyone non-commission item but on the site plan 
I noticed that the Mad Greek has a spot in those. Is that? Is that true? Um, I I am not.